speaking to you about Pentecost. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is our subtitle. And this is so important that we um, talk about one of the key doctrines of why we are Pentecostal, especially on this day being Pentecost. Now, all the churches are celebrating today the birth of the, of the church, the birth of the church on Pentecost. But we as Pentecostals, this is a special day for us because it is why we are who we are. It is what we point to. We point to the reason why. This is why we speak in tongues. This is why we pray for the sick, lay hands on and pray for the sick. This is why we do the things that we do. Because the Holy Spirit came and it was God's promise to us. The gift of the Holy Spirit came all because of the cross. The shed blood of Christ Jesus who washes us clean. And Jesus commanded them to wait in Jerusalem. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Let's look at our text now. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. It was so important that we looked at Acts 1, 4, and 5 to lay the foundation. We see there Jesus said, but wait. And it says it was not a suggestion. It says he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is where people miss it. Jesus commanded us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. We call that the great commandment. Or the, the uh, not the great commandment, I'm sorry, the great commission. He told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the great commandment. But he also told, commanded us to wait in Jerusalem. Why? To be refilled with the Holy Spirit and with power. Can we say amen? And that has not changed. Now that doesn't mean we have to run to Jerusalem. But what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, fill us the same way as you filled those on the day of Pentecost. Use us the same way as you used those saints on the day of Pentecost. Get us so fired up, Lord, that we will go into the streets and the byways and tell others that Jesus saves. So what happened? They waited. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Um, the importance of going to church. Hello? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit 
gave them utterance. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your message today that you are giving us today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing to preach it. I thank you, Lord, that you would only I would only speak the words that you would have me to speak today. Lord, challenge us, Lord, to be filled with your Spirit. Challenge us, Lord, to be refilled with your Spirit, Lord. For, Lord, in these days that we live, these, these challenging days, we need the Holy Spirit's help more than ever. There's a new generation, Lord, that needs you more than ever. And, Lord, we need your help in reaching them, Lord. To, so that we can speak to their hearts and their minds. And as Paul pointed out to us, Heavenly Father, that if we would rely on the Holy Spirit, you would give us the right words to say. So Lord, help us to reach them. In the precious name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is the day they were waiting for. Jesus said, what? Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. He did not, however, tell them how many days they were going to have to wait. Boy, do we get impatient, don't we? Oh my word. We'll, we'll get impatient if we have to wait two hours for a meal. Oh, mom didn't start cooking yet? No. She's trying a new recipe. What? You know how it goes in the kitchen when mom makes a new recipe. It could take days. Well, she told us we got to wait for two hours before it's done. I'll starve to death. Come on. We're so impatient today. We want everything now. We go, to, we go through Burger King or McDonald's and we get upset if they tell us we have to pull forward and wait for our french fries. What? We've been, I've been sitting in this line forever. How come they don't have my food ready? Why do I have to go and wait? Isn't that what you think? You know? We get upset if all of a sudden we're watching our favorite program and it's coming to the climax of that episode and it says, continued next week. What? i got to wait a whole week? Or worse, continued next season. He's hanging on that cliff if he's ever going to get off. Oh, are we impatient? But the disciples were told, go to Jerusalem and wait. And he didn't tell him, them how long. It had been 10 days since the ascension. But you know what? Let me, let, before I say this, the disciples are kind of like us. Sometimes we forget to look at the Bible and see the clues that are there. The disciples asked Jesus, What's going to be, what is going to be like when you come again? And Jesus sat him down in Matthew 24 and said, this is what it's going to be like. <laughs> Here's the signs. <laughs> this is what you should be looking for. And if the disciples have been thinking about when, when Jesus died on Passover and what the next holiday was coming up, they should have started getting excited. But they waited 10 days. It had been 10 days since the ascension. And what were they doing? They were being obedient. 120 of them gathered in the upper room and they didn't go anywhere. And they prayed. 
the church was born in a prayer meeting. It's funny, I can tell you that we're having a fellowship dinner and everyone in the church shows up. But I can announce we're having a prayer meeting and a handful of us show up. It's because have we made God our priority? Is the first things the first things? Have we lost our first love? Remember Jesus talked to that church in Revelations? He says all these nice things, but I have this against you. You have forgotten your first love. You need to return to the first works. Well, you could almost take every church in the book of Revelation and apply it to the church today in the United States. We need to get back to the first things without judging. We need to get back to the first things because Jesus says you forgot your first love. We should be doing these things out of love and obedience. They are obedient and they prayed and Pentecost came. Now listen folks, the evidence is still the evidence. There's been a debate going on in some circles in the Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches about the evidence of what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But the evidence is still the evidence. What is the evidence? That they all spoke in other tongues. It didn't just say, did it, wait a second, I'm going to go back. i got to look at that again. Um, let's see, um, verse 5. But you shall, um, I'm sorry, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began... Wait a second, it doesn't say that, does it? Oh, oh, it must say only some were filled with the Holy Spirit and, be, and only some began to speak in other tongues. No, it says they were all filled and began to speak in other tongues, does it not? It is for everyone who is a believer... God is still the same, is he not? What does Hebrews 13.8 say about Jesus? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus says, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Ghost, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they all spoke in other tongues, so they knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost, why would he change the rules on us? When Jason and I were in Bible college, it was called, this is the normative. In other words, this is the normal way of God proceeding. And I don't have time to go into all the facts of that one. We're not in theology class this morning. Peter tells us this. I like Peter's... I'd rather just, instead of trying to teach you theology this morning, I'll just go to Peter's own testimony. Acts 2.39, Peter tells us, For the promise is to you, now he's talking about the promise of salvation and the promise of the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says, the, For the promise is to you and to your children and to what? All who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, if Peter just said it was, it's to you and your children, then we would know it was just for them days. 
But he said here, it's for you and to all who are afar, far off. Guess who that is? That's you. You're afar off. I don't know how he knows you, but he knew that you're a little off. No, I mean he, that you're a little bit, you're afar off. Come on. <laughs> it was never stopped. People said, well, you know, we're, we're in the modern day of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, God never stopped filling believers with the Holy Ghost. If you go through history, before the Catholic Church became the Catholic Church, they spoke in tongues. Before the, before the Greek Orthodox became the Greek Orthodox Church, they spoke in tongues. You know why they chant and do all that wonderful, somebody's up in the balcony just doing all that wonderful chanting and stuff? It's because they lost singing in the Spirit. And they had to fill it with something. But if you go through history, you find that God was still filling the church. The Baptist church was born in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because the Anabaptists spoke in other tongues. It's one of the reasons why some of the churches, the Catholic Church persecuted them. When Martin Luther, you know, the founder of the Lutheran Church, a lot of us, he's one of our heroes. When Martin Luther was asked a question once, why, what is going on with those vicars in the vicarage? Why do they speak in that strange language? And Martin Luther just didn't elaborate. I wish he had. His co chief complaint to his secretary is he never had enough time to spend writing on theology. But Martin Luther, his only response to the vicar's speaking in tongues was this. He says, that's just a normal amongst the vicarage. And that was his whole comment on that, and the person was satisfied, and that was the end of the conversation. Um, I like Martin Luther. He was usually short and to the point. In fact, I'll do a Martin Luther right now. Right in the middle of his sermon, he would make an announcement for the church, just to make sure everybody was paying attention. So here you go. Wednesday, this Wednesday, for Wednesday night church, we are going to have a fellowship meal together. Yay! That's what he would do. And that's the truth. We are having a fellowship meal this Wednesday night, 6.30, during church, um, and we're going to be gathered together because that's spiritual. What? Um, if you don't believe me, I give you an assignment right now. Read the book of Jude. That's all. It's a short book. It won't take you long. You'll get through it maybe in less than five minutes. I don't even think it'll take you that long, but if you're pondering and trying to figure out the exegesis there, it might take you that long. But um, we will have a fellowship meal this Wednesday night at 6.30, and, we'll have, and we will still, we'll still have a message. We'll still have some singing, but we're going to um, have a wonderful, wonderful time um, this Wednesday night, and so we already have the sandwiches, we have some coleslaw, we, no, I don't know what else sides we have, but you can bring a side. If you want to, you can bring a side or a dessert, probably the dessert, be, and um, we'll, I'll 
I'll send out a text to let you know what kind of things we might need. But we're doing that Wednesday night for a fellowship time. We told you that Wednesday night church is going to be different this summer. And you know what? It's our VBS time all summer long. And what is the one thing we do at VBS? We eat. <laughs> and so uh, we are going to have fun this Wednesday night. Amen? Amen. Also, I want you to notice something that being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Spirit of God poured out, is a sign of the end of the age. We're still talking about the evidences, right? Put up Acts 2, 16 through 21. You can turn that in your Bible. But look what Peter is quoting now from Joel. And um, Acts 2, 16 through 21 says, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I had Corey underline this. We couldn't get it to highlight it for you. Um, it shall come to pass in the last days. So for the last hundred years, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the church. And the Pentecostal church is the fastest growing church in the whole world. Guess who ISIS is killing around the world? It's the Pentecostals first. Why? It's because the Pentecostals and the evangelical church is out there preaching Jesus and getting people saved. And so a lot of the people who have been killed in Africa are Pentecostal and evangelical Christians. We need to be praying for them. But it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will... Now listen, this is what he's going to do. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Did you see that there? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. We worry about the millennials. But as I said last week, the millennials are tired of the snowflakes too, so don't lump them all together. The millennials are saying, the millennials I know say, Pastor, we're smarter than that. Right. <laughs> I love our millennials in our church because they are smarter than that. They do have a passion for Jesus. Just because they express it differently than we do doesn't mean it's wrong. Just remember how your grandparents used to talk about you when you were that age. It just seems to be more, because of social media, it seems to be more in our face. Aren't you glad that we didn't have social media when we grew up? Everybody knowing our business every second of the day. There is a solution on that. Stop posting everything. <laughs> That's why I take the weekend off from social media because it just it can be over too much. I fasted over the weekend. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I want you to notice that, men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. This is why you've been seeing women being raised up by the Lord. 
Part of the reason, though, Brother Jason, is because the men haven't been doing it. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, I love this part, shall be saved. Now how do we know this? He's talking about the last days, last days, before Christ's return. Because Jesus says, one of the signs of my coming will be, what? The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood. If you don't, for your other assignment today, go to Matthew 24, and you can read about it. It's just... The way it is. I'm excited. I believe we're... The, the reason why the world is crazy right now is because I believe we are in the last days. We're not long before Jesus is going to return. But the exciting thing is, we should stop going, Woe is me! Oh! we got to find a place to... we got to build our shelters and everything else. No. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a great harvest of souls. Amen. So that means the church needs to get ready. And that means we can't be hiding. You see, it's the sinners who hide when Jesus comes back, is it not? It's the Christians who are out there proclaiming the good news. Our neighbors need to be saved. I've told you before, there might be a time before Jesus comes. We'll have to get to, before the rapture happens. And, I, and I'm not going to talk about when the rapture is going to happen this morning. That's not the purpose. We're talking about the Holy Ghost today. <laughs> the rapture, we're just supposed to be ready for the rapture. And it, and it doesn't matter which way you look at it. If you're, there's, so, there's those who think we're going to go through half of the tribulation, and that's fine. But even if you don't, you think we're going to leave before the beginning of the tribulation, before the tribulation is, happens, there's going to be Days of sorrow, according to Jesus. So we're just going to have to pick it up. And you know what? We might have to come to church together to have our meals more often. We might have to come one week and have stone soup. And uh, praise God, I got a, we got a nice big stone on our property. We'll bring it. Robin will bring some onions. Joanne will bring some carrots. Um, Marion will probably have a potato or two. We won't wash the rock, the stone off because, you know, that'll just make flavor. <laughs> Corey will bring the salt and pepper and we'll have a meal together. It'll be good. And uh, with Curtis in the church, he'll probably go shoot a deer for us and then we can... So, um, praise God. But there's four things the Spirit gives us when we receive Him. As we talked last week, He gives us the power of I can. We talked about that last week. The power of I can. Because that word power can also be translated as I can. That means we've got to get that out of our the I can't out of our vocabulary. You know what we said when we, and I'll say it again, what I said last week. You know what we're saying to God when we say, I can't? What we're really saying is, I won't. 
we got to start saying, wait a second, I got, uh-oh, I got the Holy Ghost. I can do it. He's given me the power to do it. I have no idea what I'm doing. Isn't that how we all feel all the time anyway? Come on. But if he tells us to do something, we can do it because he's given us the power of I can. I can't go back in the nursery with those little babies. Yes, you can. I can't work with a special needs kid. Yes, you can. All you have to do is show them the love of Jesus. Come on. Can you love somebody? Sure. The next thing the Holy Spirit does for us is he consecrates us. That's what he was doing that day on the day of Pentecost. Did you see there was two signs that came along? There was the wind. The wind is a sign of the Holy Spirit. Fire is a sign of the Holy Spirit. But what does fire represent? Our consecration towards God. He was consecrating the church because it was being birthed. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he is consecrating us. He is actually setting us apart to be used. Come on. Does that make you feel happy that God wants to use you? Also, the early church was the first fruits. That 120 was the first fruit of all who would be saved. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 got saved. Before they were dispersed from Jerusalem, over 10,000 believers came to Christ. All out of 120. All out of 120 who are gathered in a prayer meeting in that upper room. The next thing the Holy Spirit gives us um, courage. The Holy Spirit gives us courage. Your old King James would say boldness. What a difference the Holy Spirit can make. Now think about it. Before the day of Pentecost, all the disciples, that whole 120 of them, were hiding in the upper room. Why? Because they were fearful. But after the Holy Spirit came, Holy Spirit baptized them, they were out on the street corners proclaiming Jesus saves. Before the day of Pentecost, they got all the windows barred, the windows, the doors barred, right? We know that when Jesus came to visit them after the resurrection, right? Everything was locked up because of the fear of the, the religious leaders and the Romans that they were going to be nixed to be crucified. So they're terrified. They're sneaking around in the market buying food and bringing it back to the upper room and making their meals there and going, oh, but the Lord told us to wait here. How long do we have to wait? And they just prayed and they stayed. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and baptized every one of them, filled them with the Holy Ghost, they threw open the windows, they threw open the doors, and they ran out into the streets of Jerusalem and were speaking in other tongues. What were they speaking about? They were proclaiming, they were evangelizing, they were telling everyone who would listen who Jesus is. And everybody who came to Jerusalem that day this is the, one of the reasons we know the church was consecrated that day. Because everyone who came to Jerusalem, all the nations of the world who were known at the time, who were in Jerusalem, heard Jesus proclaimed in their own language. 
It was also saying these are going to be the first fruit of all the nations that would be saved. Hmm. And has the, our, has the job of the church changed? No. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. But in America, we've gotten so comfortable in our churches, we go to work every day, we come home every day, we go to work every day, we come home every day, we go to church on Sunday, and we forget to proclaim Jesus the rest of the week. Of course, we learned last week how we can proclaim Jesus with our lifestyle. You know, if we live it in front of others, that preaches. Because we can say a lot of things out of our mouth and say the opposite of in what we do. If we want to be effective, what comes out of our mouth and our lifestyles need to be the same. The fourth thing the Holy Spirit gives us, and I love this part, He gives us gifts to be used. In other words, He gives us these gifts where we are lacking. I'm telling you, when you got the gift of the Holy Ghost, did you know how to speak that language? No. You still don't know what you're saying. That's why it needs to be interpreted. It's a language you never studied. Right? But there's other, but that's not what the Lord stops. He gives, when He fills us with the Holy Spirit, He gives us other gifts. Why? Because He knows where we're lacking. You already got wonderful talents. If you've gone back and look in the nursery and you see that, go back in the playroom and you see those wonderful walls back in the playroom, you know that Robin and, and Timey have a wonderful talent for painting murals. It took them as long to paint all that as it took for the rest of us to paint the church. The whole rest of the building. They have a talent. So every time we're talking about doing special decorations for children's ministry, who ends up doing it all? The two with the talent. <laughs> However, there's areas of their life that are lacking, that the talents they weren't born with. So what does God do? He gives them spiritual gifts to make up for that area that's lacking. And that's why you know it's the Holy Ghost using them, not them. Now, I'm not going to pick on anybody here. I'm going to pick on Brother Callahan. I love Brother Callahan. He loved to pray. But he would sit most of the time. His eyes were closed all the way through service, and you knew he was paying attention because he'd go, yep, that's true, because his eyes were always bugging him. But he was always with us. Well, Brother Callahan, he didn't have a lot of common sense. But we loved him. One day he came to me and said, Pastor, I did a bad thing. I said, what did you do, Brother Callahan? Well, my water pump went out on my well. It did. So I went down to the wholesaler and I bought a new water pump. Well, what's wrong with that, Brother Callahan? Well, it's because I used my tithe. I used my tithe and I wasn't able to give in church. And so... I come home with a brand new water pump. 
And guess what, Pastor? What? The Lord, sense of humor again. My old pump was working. There's nothing wrong with it. And I can't return the new one because I got it at the wholesaler. He says, I'm never going to do that again. And I'm going to make up for it next month. Well, that was just Brother Callahan. So the men would meet. And we'd be talking about something that needed to be done for the church. And all of a sudden, once in a while, Brother Callahan would sit up in the easy chair because we would meet in a living room to discuss things. He would sit up in the, in the easy chair. His eyes would get really, really wide and alert. And this wisdom would come out of his mouth. Well, every one of us knew we better listen because... That was the gift. That was from the Holy Ghost. That was not Brother Callahan. Because he was giving us a word of wisdom. Because the Holy Ghost made up where Brother Callahan was, was lacking. And I'll tell you what, we all loved him for it because he let the Holy Spirit use him. One more little story about Brother Callahan. Brother Tory, his brother in law, would bring all these people to church in his huge station wagon. He had one of those station wagons where you sat in the back, way back, backwards. Remember those? Remember riding those when you were a kid? Well, he still had one of those in the 80s. And he would bring all these people. And Brother Callahan would ride along with him to church all the time. And I told you, he was a large man. And there was two other people squeezed in, like Devin and, and uh, um, <clears throat> Lori. Squeezed in next to him, and a deer came running across the road, and Brother, Brother Tory lost control of the car and had a bad accident. And uh, people in the front seat ended up having to go to the hospital. But because Brother Callahan was so large, he was the airbag in the back seat, and nobody got hurt there. And Brother Callahan was saying, The Lord used me again! <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so we look at that and we say, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He, do, he distributes what gifts that we need because he knows where we're lacking. Now, Paul says it's okay to pray for the more excellent gifts. But he also says it's the Holy Spirit who decides what gifts that you receive. Larray has been praying, as clerk of our church, that God would send us several people with the gift of giving. Now that makes sense. She's the, she's the treasurer. She has to, you know, her and the finance committee, they pay the bills. So they want, they've been praying for people with the gift of giving. Lord, give people the gift of giving. But we also need people with the gift of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of helps. Devin wishes there was more people with the gift of helps. Because they would help him with some of the chores that need to be done around the church. Right? We need all the gifts in operation. 
especially the fivefold manifest gifts. We need those things. I'll, cl I'll close the message with Romans 12, 4 through 8. The Holy Spirit gives us these things so we can do the work of the gospel. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individual, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. Now look at what I have underlined up there. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in what? Teaching. He exhorts, in exhortation. I love the exhorters in our church. Where would we be without exhorters in the church? Always giving us, way to go. You're awesome. Thank you for doing all that you do. Isn't that what exhorters do? Build us up. He who gives, those with the gift of giving, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. It's time for the church to rise up and be God's mighty army once again. And this is the importance of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is so we can be used by God mightily. And yet, as Pentecostals, we think once we got filled with the Holy Ghost, we finally arrived, we've done our part, we got filled, we speak in tongues, and now we've arrived, we're so spiritual. But can I remind you what Dr. Hill said to us this morning? Tim Hill said what? The Holy Spirit did not come for our enjoyment. Do you get that part? He came for our employment. We love Dr. Hill around here. We love reading his books. Because he makes it so simple. The Holy Spirit is given to employ you for the work he has for you to do. That's what he means by giving you power. So that you can do what he's called you to do. And we need it in these days we live in. We are on the verge of losing a whole generation if the church doesn't wake up. And it'll be on our watch. And generations from now will say, where was the church? Let's not that be said about us. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. Oh, pastor, it's so hard to wait. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you'll see, I don't know how much, how many times the staff has heard pastor say this. Oh, if so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so would just, if we, 
I can't wait for the day to see them filled with the <laughs> Holy Spirit because, oh my word, how he's going to use them. I mean, look at the talent they have. Can you imagine what they're going to be like when the Holy Ghost comes upon them? Oh my word. By the way, Doris used to have that private conversation with me and she would tell me about certain people in our church and she says, you know what? I can't wait to see the day. You know, if, if that person would just go ahead and just yield to the Holy Spirit, they could be the next great. And she named somebody. I've mentioned it to the staff and they said, you know what, we see the same thing. My challenge for you today is seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit and see how God will use you. Let us pray.